On this week's episode of Juke Sports, we recap NFL Championship Weekend and then talk a little college football and why the University of Tennessee is a dumpster fire. Next, we have the list on best Super Bowl halftime shows. You don't want to miss that. And closing statements on LeBron James and Tom Brady and why people hate them differently. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome back to another episode of Juke Sports, January 26th, 2021. And the Super Bowl is set. Tampa Bay versus Kansas City. Buccaneers versus Chiefs. Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, which is undoubtedly going to be an epic matchup. You have the new great gunslinger versus the older established man that is the king of the mountaintop right now. Old versus new, vet versus new guy. It's going to be great. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about what happened this weekend. So let's start with the first game. Let's start with Tampa versus Green Bay. And and listen, guys, a solid game. A solid game all around. Now, how did the Packers lose this one? Okay? And don't get me wrong. Tampa won this. Okay? They controlled most of the football game. But Green Bay refused to go away. But it just seemed like whenever Green Bay would take one step forward, they would take two steps back. And I think it all started right before the half. So it's 14 to 10. Green Bay's drive or Green Bay gets the ball back with, I don't know, like a minute 20 to go. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, just run it out. You know, the first half it wasn't great, but you're down 14-10. Take your losses, lick your wounds, and you know, get ready for the half. So they get a big first down, and I'm thinking, okay, now, now you can kind of move. Then you take a massive sack, and then it's like second and 18. Run the ball out. Don't throw it. Run it out. And I know Aaron Rodgers should be smart enough to say, okay, um, double coverage. I don't want to force anything. I'd rather take it 14-10 um, into half. He forces a ball. Tampa Bay gets it back. Now, to make matters even worse, Tampa's on the cusp of field goal range here. And they're probably going to throw – you're thinking at that time, if you're Green Bay, okay, they're probably going to throw something short, um, try and get a field goal. So Green Bay goes into cover three bump and run where the corners – now a bump and run, you're going to open up uh, to the field. Your back's going to be facing the sideline. And your cornerbacks are taught to read the quarterback, you know, the, depending on what his drop is. But what happens here is Kevin King never bails out. And when I say bail, that means as soon as the ball is snapped, you got to get on your horse and you got to get back to make sure no one gets behind you and you can keep everything in front. Kevin King reads his drop 
and or re, tries to read quarterback drop and lets Scotty Miller behind him for a touchdown. I mean, listen, it's a great play. Uh, whoever drew it up for Tampa, if they were thinking, hey, you know, they're going to come bump and run in this situation, and we're going to put Scotty Miller on the weaker corner, Kevin King, and he's going to get lost in the sauce. We're going to burn over, burn him over the top. If that's what they were thinking, I mean, God, it's perfect. I mean, if, if you saw that on film, why wouldn't you try it? Because I think everyone was thinking, including the Packers, all right, they're going to try field goal here. Here. I just don't understand that. Kevin King needs to bail out. He needs to. And if there was ever a a thought of, you know, if they're going to go long here, then you don't need to play bump and run. You don't need to. Play loose man, have him, have him manned up on number one, and just play loose off of him. Make sure you don't get beat deep. You play bump and run, which I know in cover three, bump and run, that's what NFL does. I get it. You know, but man, you can't let him over the top. So now, instead of 14-10, now it's 21-10. Going in the half. Um, coming out at half, fumble, goes the other way, sets up Buccaneers touchdown. And I think all of us at home are thinking, okay, this one's over. Well, now Tom Brady starts throwing balls into triple coverage. I guess trying to stretch the field out and puts the Green Bay Packers right back in this ball game. Where we get into the fourth quarter with about two minutes to go, a little over two minutes. They didn't get to the warning yet, which again is important because it's a free timeout where you're down. 31-23, you're down eight points. And they kick the field goal on the eight. Now, Aaron Rodgers says he didn't think that they were going to kick the field goal on fourth down. Which, again, that's also important because... So Aaron Rodgers has a lot of leeway here, all right? He's one of them superstar quarterbacks that is able to say, okay, I think we should do this, I think we should do that. So when Aaron has his input of what he wants, he thinks they're going for it on fourth. So that could have changed things up. So LaFleur kicks the field goal. By the way, the overhit after that field goal, for all you people betting, and now you have to stop Tampa, which you've had a hard time doing for most of that ball game. I just don't, I don't understand kicking the field goal there. Now, LaFleur's thought process is probably this. You kick the field goal, you stop them. If you stop them, then you're in good field position. Okay, which, okay, I understand. And you go for the win, fine. I understand. But you still need a touchdown. You still need a touchdown. So let's just say the Packers go for it and they don't make it. Tampa has the ball deep in their own territory. You know, let's just say it's on their own eight. Green Bay stops them. They have to punt within their 20-yard line. Green Bay has good field position again. 
and you get a timeout because the two-minute warning hasn't happened yet. I mean, come on. Now, granted, you know, okay, you might be thinking, well, Jake, you know, what happens if it's a minute 59? What if they they miss the, the two-minute warning? Well, then fine. You still have timeouts. You still need a touchdown to tie. Plus, plus the two. So LaFleur's thinking, might be thinking that as well. I, I just don't like it. You've had a hard time. One, you've had a hard time stopping Tampa Bay for most of the game. And your offense has kind of had a hard time getting things going on their own. You're down there. Go for it all. You still have to get a stop anyway. Kicked. It's good. Give it to Tampa. Never saw it again. I don't know. Uh, I think there are definitely. I I think Aaron Rodgers is out of Green Bay. I think he is frustrated, not with Lafleur. I think he's frustrated with management. I think he's frustrated with they are not giving him enough weapons around him. Listen, I know Devontae Adams is very very good. I get that, but I don't. They're they're not giving him anything else to work with. Their running game is atrocious. So you can't get anything down on the on on the run. And then you have the passing game, which, listen, it's good. Aaron Rodgers, 33 for 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Listen, a good day for Aaron Rodgers. Not, not perfect by any means, but a very good day for Aaron Rodgers. But you're not getting better on offense. And I think that's what's frustrating for Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's why Aaron Rodgers is going to try and go somewhere else. And he's going to thumb their nose to the organization. He's going to say, okay. Have fun with Jordan Love. And if Aaron Rodgers leaves, I, I, I don't think – I think that division is going to be 100% up for grabs. I think Green Bay really has to take a look at themselves and say, okay, we lost Aaron Rodgers because of this and we, 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 we need to rebuild. They will be in full rebuild mode if Aaron Rodgers ends up leaving and they have no one to blame but themselves and the management. All right, Chiefs versus Bills. So, Buffalo comes out. Tell 10-7. You know, Tyreek Hill muffs a kick. Buffalo goes in. And you think, all right, you know. You know, 10-7. Buffalo has a shot. And then it was all Kansas City from there. All Kansas City. This one seemed, this one didn't even seem close to me. Um, you know, every, every week it's just like Kansas city is, is just winning games because they're Super Bowl champions. They have a lot of pressure on them that they're not winning by enough every week they win, but they don't win convincingly. You know, Buffalo gets a late touchdown on this one. Um, you know, but you know, still they handedly beat Buffalo, who is a very good football team, by the way, and they will be back. Um, Josh Allen did not have a great day. This is another team. Can't get anything going in the rushing game with Singletary. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, leading rusher for eight carries, 42 yards. That's not good. That means he's running and he's picking stuff up from scrambles. Granted, he did have a couple design carries, I think maybe two or three. But still, if Josh Allen's your leading rusher, that's not good. Um, 
Chiefs looked very good. Patrick Mahomes was doing freaky things again. Um, man, he, he puts... If you play zone versus Patrick Mahomes, he will find the zone. Okay? He was putting ball... Like, uh, the chemistry between him and Kelsey is just unreal. Um, you know, throwing balls where initially it looks like he's going to throw them at air... And then Kelsey just happens to be there in his route. I mean, it's great chemistry. It's great relation between the quarterback um, and his receivers. You know, um, they were hitting Kelsey early. And then Buffalo was like, okay, well, we're going to go man now. So that won't happen. And then as soon as that happens, Tyreek Hill blasts off a huge crosser that he just takes like to the three-yard line. I mean, they're so tough. You play zone. Patrick Mahomes is going to pick pick you apart. He's going to find Kelsey in the zone. You play man, Tyreek Hill's going to burn you. And if not him, someone else. Um, Edwards Hilaire looked healthy again. 26 yards, 106, or sorry, 126 carries, 161 yards. And, and, and I think that's the big help here for Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, again, did some crazy things yesterday or on Sunday night. 225 yards, 21 for 26, two touchdowns. That's a great day. That's a solid day. That's a proficient day. But you know what helps that? Edwards Hilaire, 26 carries, 161 yards. If you can get the run game going and have teams bite up on runs, Patrick Mahomes will then kill you over the top. It's a perfect balance. It's awesome. Eric Biamini is going to find a head coaching job eventually. You know... Um, whether, I don't know where it would be. He's going to find one, you know, he's going to find one. Um, again, wouldn't it be funny if Andy retires and he just takes over? I would do it. If I was Kansas city, I would do it hundred percent. And maybe that's what he's thinking. Maybe he's thinking, I don't want a head job now and go somewhere. There's so much uncertainty. I'm going to inherit you know, one of the best offenses, a very good defense, and a culture and an Andy Reid culture that's um, built for success. I mean, no matter what happens in two weeks on Sunday, you know, no matter if Andy Reid retires after it or in two years, you're going to have that core group of guys. You're going to have Patrick Mahomes, who is absolutely a game changer. Absolutely a game changer. Um, at the end, Buffalo kind of got chippy. I didn't like that guy. Listen, Buffalo, you were the darlings of the NFL. Everyone was pulling for you. Don't be cheap at the end of the game. Josh Allen, you know, you know, booping the uh, football after you get sacked on a defensive lineman. Come on, Bush League, Josh. Absolutely Bush League. You just can't, I mean... You know, just take the sack. Take your ass kicking and go home. I mean, that's the only thing I didn't like there. No, Buffalo. And I know. Buffalo, they have the chip on their shoulder. You know, they're going to play tough and hard-nosed and that whole thing. But come on, guys. Just take take your ass kicking and go home. Um, that sets up our Super Bowl. Right now, the line is sitting at Kansas City. Uh, Three-and-a-half point favorites. Um, now, granted, Tampa Bay is going to be home. It's gonna, it's their home field, um, which I think will definitely help. You know, with guys, you know, just 
being familiar with places and things like that. Um, I don't, I don't imagine, or I don't think that the, that the cannons or the, or anything like that is going to be, like, I don't think they're going to set the cannons off of Tampa Bay scores. I, I think they're going to keep it like if any other team was there, um, Man, that would be cool though. Just just think about that though. Going, I mean, g- watching a game on the pirate ship. Uh, I mean, it probably sucks for like a, a viewing standpoint, but just to like be there is probably really awesome. Um, <laughs> to be in a Super Bowl or to attend a Super Bowl on that pirate ship has got to be awesome. Um, but I did hear rumors that Tampa Bay will actually have to go in the visitors' locker room since the can since Kansas City is going to technically be at home, which. I mean, if you're going to treat it like a neutral site, I mean, I guess you have to do that. So you're not giving an unfair advantage to one team or another. You know, uh, Kansas City earned that locker room. Um, so I guess they can't really do that. But it's going to be an exciting matchup. It really is. Um, I mean, that was my pick at the beginning of the year. I said Tampa versus Kansas City. New school versus the old old school. Tom Brady is at the pro, at the top of the mountain as far as the NFL is concerned, Patrick Mahomes has one Super Bowl and is trying to climb it. Um, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait for the coverage. It's going to be great. Um, now to switch gears here. Um, didn't talk about this last week. Um, saved it for this week. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt is out at Tennessee. They fired him. Uh, I don't think his record has anything to do with it, but I mean they fired, you know, guys early before. Um, a lot of going on down in Tennessee. You have players, recruits being paid by McDonald's bags full of money. Uh, it just seems kind of like the wild, wild west down there. Phil Fulmer's gone of AD. They fired coaches. Players are transferring. Tennessee is a mess. And you know who deserves blame here? You, Tennessee fans. You deserve blame. Because you think that it's still the late 90s. You do. You think it's still the late 90s and it isn't. You know, the last time... They've won a major bowl game. The last hang on, listen to this. The last time Tennessee has won a major bowl game, they won the Cotton Bowl in 04. Won the Cotton Bowl in 04. 07, they won the Outback Bowl. With with uh Fulmer. I mean, the Outback Bowl is it's a good bowl. It's not great. But think about it. Oh four. That's what? How many years is that? I mean was it sixteen years ago? Was your last major bowl victory? The last time they were even I can't even say it was a major bowl because the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl um ten years ago isn't as big as it was now. I mean Tennessee was in the Peach Bowl at 7-5 and and lost. So, again, I'm getting a little off track. 
Why is it Tennessee fans' fault? Well, because they think it's the late 90s. But it's because once someone doesn't have success, the first road bump, they're like, ship this guy out. We don't want him. We're settling for mediocrity. No, you're not. You're trying to build something. You can't, you can't have this coaching carousel every year. And when you do, this is what happens. This is what happens. Listen, you got rid of Derek Dooley, fine. Six and seven, five and seven, five and seven. Fine, I get it. Three years didn't do a whole lot. Understood. Then Butch Jones gets in there. Five and seven. All right, not a good start. Seven and six, improvement. Win the Tax Slayer Bowl. Good. Win the Gator Bowl. And then nine and four, nine and four with wins in the Outback Bowl and the Music City Bowl. That means you are getting better. You're ranked. You're ranked in the top 25. You're getting better. You're building something. Halfway through the year in 2017, fire Butch Jones. Why? Why? You think you're, you digress that much? Give him time. Give him time. It's okay. Listen, he had a step back. Give him another year or two. You, you can't, you know, and, and Scott Van Pelt said this, I think, two weeks ago. Okay? And, and he referred us to Tennessee as well. <clears throat> you need, in college, you need to give a guy four or five years. You have to. You have to. Now, granted, Butch Jones. You gave Butch Jones uh, five years. His fifth year, he got fired. Okay? But you were in the right direction. You had two nine-win seasons back-to-back. Come on. Just give it time. Pruitt, five and seven. Um, eight and five. Granted, they won the Gator Bowl. Tennessee gave it to them. But still, you won, a, you won something. Now, I, gr- I understand that this is probably not a wins and losses thing. This is probably a culture thing that, hey, uh, we're about – NCAA is about to come down on us and we need to clean house to hopefully they um, – hopefully they take it easy on us. You know, it's it just – but you Tennessee fans, you put this pressure – on your, um, I almost said organization. You put this pressure on your program that like you got, it's like you're chasing Bama and Clemson and you can't, you cannot chase Bama and Clemson because they're in another stratosphere as you, you can't do it. You cannot do it because this is what happens. You're in a never ending cycle of, New coach, rinse, rather, repeat, unless the coach has immediate success, which is very tough to do. And it's going to be very hard to do now because you created a dumpster fire. You created it. You put the garbage in the dumpster and your fan base set it on fire. I I, I try and tell this to, you know, and listen, you know, I I don't want to compare it to you know, Penn State at all, because I think both programs are in two very different situations, okay? 
Um, but you know, when, when Penn State got off of sanctions, you know, they had two eight and four years, um, or maybe an eight and four and a seven and five. Franklin comes in and get, goes seven and five back to back, and everyone's like, "Well, is this guy really that good?" And yeah, he made John Donovan was there, who wasn't that, who was less than be desired. I stuck up for John Donovan, and I don't know what I was thinking there, but. Then I know Franklin has clock management issues. He's not perfect by any means of the imagination. You know, but then they win a Big Ten title. And then they're in this next tier of we need to be as we need to be just like Ohio State. And it's tough to be there. Michigan can't do it. The closest team in the Big Ten that's like Ohio State is Penn State. You know, maybe Wisconsin, but they're in the West, the West Division. That's a little bit easier. And, and I tell Penn State fans this all the time. You don't want to be, like, if Penn State were to move on from Franklin because they want to be Ohio State, I don't know if it's going to be tough for them to get back in it because you have to rebuild again. You at least have something. Listen, you can win, and Penn State has always been like this. Look back at their records. Penn State was never a, like like what Alabama is now, and old time, old-timers think it is, but... Penn State's going to win nine to ten games a year, and then they're going to win. They're going to have an 11 year win in the 11 year year or 11 win year in there, and then possibly make a run in the national title. Maybe. I think in my lifetime, they've made, mm, I want to say, three runs at a national title 05, 08, 16. You know, in 16, they had two losses, but won the Big Ten. But what I'm trying to get at is, you know, be careful what you wish for. Because if you have no consistency in your program, there is nothing to build on. Tennessee fans, this is what you need to do. You shouldn't be worried about the Alabamas and the Georgias and the, and the Floridas. Right now, you need to focus on being better than South Carolina, Kentucky, and Missouri. You're already better than Vanderbilt. All you have to do is pretty much just show up to beat Vandy right now. Vandy's in a very bad way as well. Um, just for different reasons. Vanderbilt is just it's just tough. It's just a tough place to, to coach. It's terrible. It's one of the worst, probably the worst jobs in the country. But if you're Tennessee, you you have to focus on being better than South Carolina, Kentucky, and Mizzou. That's the first step. Once you're consistently better than them, then you can worry about being better than Georgia and Florida. And then if you're better, if you get to that point, then worry about Alabama. And guess what? It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in two years. It might happen in five if you get the right guy. You know, but this isn't, and I know I'm going in on Tennessee people, and they are delusional. They, they are. Um, but college football fans are delusional. Hardcore fans. It, it is like most big-tier programs are like a cult. I understand that. But it's just for everybody out there that follows college football that's, you know, we're not like Clemson. We're not like Bama. We're not like Ohio State. Well, guess what? Those three teams are on another planet. Oklahoma, every time they go to the college football play- playoff, does not do well. They don't. 
I think that that one year they came close, but they still lost. But you know, any other team that's made it, Notre Dame's been handled a, a few times. Michigan State won the Big Ten the one year they went in and got smoked by Bama. They're on a different level. Be happy with consistency. Consistency builds a program, and then the program ends up becoming that. Clemson people wanted to fire Dabo Sweeney early on. They wanted to because we're not taking the next step. Yep. And then Dabo got his assistant coaches paid, which is huge, by the way. If your college football program isn't paying your assistant your assistance, then they are going to go elsewhere. Again, consistency. Dabo gets his assistance paid, makes sure it's a great place to work, great working environment, has a, a good culture with his guys, from at least what we see on the outside. Some couple inside racial stuff in there that, that was not a good look. But for the most part, seems everyone enjoys playing for Clemson. That's how you build a program. But you just think. What would Clemson be right now if they fired Dabo when they wanted to fire him a few years ago, right before they made it big? What 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 would Clemson be right that right now? So I'm off my soapbox with that. But college football fans, be careful what you wish for. Um, lastly, in the college football world, uh, Notre Dame. <laughs> so Notre Dame's on probation, and and, and I get it. You know they they had they had uh, violations. Um, an assistant coach was texting, and they said like eighteen impermissible texts. Yeah, well, guess what? If he wasn't sure, um, or or if he was, you know, just thinking, so well, it's just text messages, whatever. Eight, you know, whatever. But you know, you have a coach talking to a kid that he's not supposed to because it was a dead period because. He went. He visited him too early at the school. That's a no-no. Brian Kelly went into a school and took a picture with someone. Like, you you can't do those things. I, I get it, but I you're on Notre Dame's on probation for 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 peanuts stuff. Uh, the the coach, the assistant coach, isn't even with the program anymore. It's just wild to me though that like. And, and I don't know Tennessee's gonna have trouble coming forward. Like they're, they're in deep trouble. And and if they don't get a, at least a year, at least a like a bowl ban should be a minimum. But granted, next year they're probably not gonna go to a bowl game anyway. So it's I guess it's a moot point. But you know Tennessee needs bowl, a bowl ban. That's like a legit like recruiting violation. That's literally paying players. You know, Notre Dame was talking to a kid they weren't, they shouldn't have been talking to at the wrong time. Brian Kelly took a picture with a guy. I mean, and again, I root, I've rooted against Notre Dame pretty much my entire life. Very rarely do I root for them, but I respect them as a program because they do things the right way. But it's just crazy to me that Notre Dame's on probation, and then I, I just feel like the South, the SEC, parts of the ACC are so wild, wild west as far, as far as recruiting goes that, like, they're getting away with all this stuff and, like, a teams like Notre Dame who does does things the right way are getting punished. You know, it's like, it's literally like in class. <laughs> think about, think about your, your sophomore year of high school and 
let's just say like your teacher has like a couple silly rules that like everyone has to follow every day and like a relatively like good kid who's like never in trouble gets detention for breaking a silly rule but there's like a group of kids in the back that are just doing whatever they want and the teacher just basically ignores them because as long as they're not bothering the class they'll just let them do whatever they want you know and that that group of kids is the south it's the southern football programs that's what the that's what the back of the room is and then the good kid the kid who sits in the front has a good gpa does everything the right way you know Probably has a polo shirt on, you know, nice polo shirt dressed up for school. That's Notre Dame. They just got detention because they just broke up. They were chewing gum in class when they weren't supposed to. (laughs) And the kids in the back that are like slapping other kids with rulers and spitting spitballs all over the room. Yeah, the teacher just says, yeah, whatever. They're going to do what they're going to do. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But, all right, uh, now on to our list segment. This week's list is brought to you by the Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive Fantasy is daily fantasy that only deals with the top-tier athletes, so it appeals to casual and die-hard sports fans. Remember to put in promo code JUKE, that's right, JUKE, J-U-K-E, at sign up and Thrive will give you a free $20 if you deposit $20 or more. Download the Thrive Fantasy app to make your sports experience more exciting. Guys, we have NHL and NBA going on right now. We have the Super Bowl coming up soon. What better way to get in on the action than to download the Thrive Fantasy app? All right, our list. Best Super Bowl halftime shows. We have to do it because we all have... Blinded by the lights by the weekend, stuck in our heads watching the playoffs since they announced he the weekend will be the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, before we even get into this, I tried to really be non-biased with this list because my musical preference is rock and mostly rock music, any type of genre of rock, a little bit of country, some 90s rap in there and early 2000s rap as well. So I really tried to be unbiased with this whole thing, okay? So I'm just letting you <laughs> letting you know. Now, number five, this is not my cup of tea. Okay, again, I'm me, tr- me trying to be unbiased. But there's no denying that this person is a complete megastar on a totally other level of famous. My number five is Beyonce. Um... Seeing her on stage, again, not my type of music, but Destiny's Child gets up on stage with her, um, which was awesome as a 90s kid to kind of watch that, see that resurgence, um, nice little reunion there. She ends it with Halo, which is a beautiful, great song to end it on. Um, One disappointing fact, Destiny's Child did not do Survivor, which uh, I I really wish they would have done that. Maybe I would have put them... A little head or a little farther ahead if they would have sang Survivor. Anyway, Beyonce number five. Number four, I love this man. And I don't care who knows it. I love Bruno Mars. I absolutely love him. He starts off the thing with a drum solo, then goes into Locked Out of Heaven and Treasure, which are bangers. 
And then we get a little bit of the red hot chili peppers with a mix up that, you know, I think worked. Uh, they did give it away. Wish they would have done something else. Uh, give it away kind of played out for me. But anyway, you have give it away with Bruno Mars, with his band, the singing, the dancing, the funk fantasticness of his band his band is awesome all right listen he ain't a pop star that just goes and presses a button no 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 bruno has his own band and they are fantastic i wish i could see him in concert um it's great for everybody for kids for teens people my age grandma it doesn't matter bruno mars brings it for everyone number three this guy's more in my real wheelhouse uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band um, only performed 20 minutes. Uh, well, sorry, only had 20 minutes, which kind of hindered Bruce. Um, only had a, only played four songs uh, because, I mean, if you know Bruce Springsteen, his songs are a little lengthy. Uh, he's turned down the Super Bowl for years, and then he finally was like, yeah, I'm going to do it this year. Well worth the wait, as always, the sound, his voice, Opening up with 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Ending it with Glory Days. Awesome. You got Steve Van Zant with his guitar up there. It's just awesome. The Boss number at number three. Number two. Again, going with music that I can appreciate. And he has some bangers. But not a huge fan of, of some of his music. I'm not... But that's Michael Jackson, number two. Now, Michael Jackson gets number two, not for his set, because his set was more so a public service announcement, like a PSA of, you know, feed the children, um, you know, peace, love, understand, you know, the whole thing, which is a great message. That's awesome to do. Um, he had, like, the fans with the with the cardboard squares to, like, form a picture of, like, the kids holding hands at the Rose Bowl, which was cool. But... This is number two because it laid the groundwork for everything to come. You see, after Michael Jackson, they wanted a show. They wanted a pop star. Michael Jackson set that precedent that, listen, the halftime show is no longer going to be, you know, bands from, you know, Louisiana Tech. It's going to be new. It's going to be actual stars. And it's going to be something that people are going to turn on to watch. Listen, there are people that watch the Super Bowl just to see the halftime show. You know, and I and Michael Jackson laid the groundwork for that. Um, again, not my... I mean, even the set list wasn't that great. I mean, he did Billie Jean, but it was... You know, and Black and White, which, again, another good song. Great song. And fit that theme that they were trying to do. Uh, but it was more We Are the World and... You know, things like that. So not necessarily the show itself, but the groundwork it laid. Michael Jackson, number two. Uh, my honorable mentions here. Um, U2. Uh, it was the first Super Bowl after 9-11. Um, they only played like three songs. Um, they, uh, But I think everyone remembers when they played Beautiful Day with the American flag in the background. With the names of the people that were lost on September 11th. I think that's one that everyone's going to remember. The show itself wasn't that great. I think I forget the the other song they played. I think they ended it with Streets with No Name, which is good, but not great. Um, but I I just I wanted to be honor an honorable mention just because Beautiful Day is still a memory I still have to this day watching the Super Bowl, and it needs to be mentioned. Um, 
the infamous Kid Rock, Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson. You all know why. Uh, it was a weird mashing. It got weirder at the end. Um, and I have to credit Janet Jackson for the first boob I've ever seen in my life. So thanks, Justin and Janet, for that. Um, lastly, uh, in sync with Aerosmith and Britney Spears. Again, Britney Spears and uh, sorry, Britney Spears and In Sync. Yeah, they they kind of go together. Uh, throwing Aerosmith in there, okay. Um, I I mean, listen, it was a time where Aerosmith was kind of on a comeback. Which is always weird to me, like, not to get too much into music here, but it always seems like Aerosmith is always on a comeback. They were in a comeback in the early 90s. Now they're a comeback in the 2000s. Armageddon was a huge hit. They, they played I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. They played Jaded. Jaded, one of my favorite songs. Um, and then you have the new pop stars who are larger than life right at that time, uh, Sync and Justin Timberlake. Or sorry, Sync with Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. And at the end, they all sing Walk This Way together. Nelly's up there. Mary J. Blige was up there, too. Um, it was great. This one could have been in my top five. It's probably in a lot of people's top fives. Um, and I think it gets bonus points for me because it's the first Super Bowl halftime show that I actually remember. Like, this is one, like, I actually remember, like, kind of watching. So I think it gets, maybe it gets some bias points for that. Um, number one. Should be no contest. It's Prince, man. It's gotta be Prince. Best halftime show. Starts it off with the intro to We Will Rock You. Then Let's Go Crazy in 1999. Classics. Uh, then goes into Baby I'm a Star. Not my favorite, but had, but then goes into a killer guitar solo with his symbol as the guitar. I think everyone remembers that purple um, that when he used to... Like, Remember when he was the artist formerly known as Prince? Well, that symbol was his guitar. The stage was the symbol. Um, and then he gets off of his own music and goes into covers. He goes into Proud Mary. And then he goes into All Along the Watchtower. And then Best of You by the Foo Fighters. And me being a freshman in high school was, I thought, oh, that song's a cover? No, he just decided, yeah, screw it. I'm gonna do this with I'm gonna do this Foo Fighter song that's popular right now. Now, the story goes that Foo Fighters uh, did a cover of Prince's Darling Nikki. It's kind of a, a a little bit of a raunchy song, which isn't a surprise for Prince. But it's but I guess Prince, I don't know if he took offense to it, but he was like kind of like, all right, you're going to do my song. All right, I'm going to do your song, and I'm going to make people think that I wrote it. Because that's what everyone was. You know, Foo Fighters, they were huge at that time. But, like, they're not like they are now. And people were like, oh, did Prince? People actually thought, did Prince actually write that? And then lastly, to end the show, with I think everyone remembers, is you have the rain coming down. And he sings Purple Rain. It's magnificent. In the Miami rain, singing Purple Rain, it was perfect. It was amazing. There'll never be another person like Prince. Um, 
And I don't know if we're ever going to see anything quite like it. But it was absolutely amazing. It was live. It wasn't dubbed. Gotta love it. Prince, my number one. So my top five. Number five, Beyonce. Number four, Bruno Mars. Number three, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Number two, Michael Jackson. Number one, Prince. Now on to our closing statements. Been seeing this a lot today. It's it's one of these debates that people just love to talk about, and I hate that I'm even putting in my two cents, but I just have to. People are talking Brady versus LeBron. Brady's been to 10 Super Bowls. LeBron's been to 10 finals. And, and people are starting to say, well, why does it seem like LeBron is hated more? Why do people hate LeBron more than they hate Tom Brady? Well, first, I have to say, um, Tom Brady was one of the most hated players ever in any sport um, a few years back. Uh, like the flake gate, uh, the, the spy gate before that with Belichick, you know, like you know, Tom Brady went from everyone rooting for him in that Super Bowl against Kurt Warner, Marshall Folk, the greatest show on turf. They were the big, big, huge underdogs. And then they, and then because they won so much, people started not to like him. And he was whiny and complaining, you know, and, and there are some similarities with LeBron. People don't like LeBron James because he seems like he whines and complains and he wins a lot. You know, but if you want to say, why does it seem like LeBron gets more hate? Well, I have a couple reasons why. Okay, I think it comes down to three main reasons. One, Tom Brady has won more. He has won six out of the nine Super Bowls he was in. LeBron... Only won four out of the ten. Tom was on one team for a very long time. And then when both wanted to part ways, Tom goes to Tampa and still goes. You know, LeBron, with no fault of his own, um, you know, wasn't getting back in Cleveland, so he goes to Miami, wins two titles. Then... Goes back to Cleveland, wins a title there, and then he goes to LA, and then wins a title there. <laughs> you know, so he gets four. And I think this next reason is why people think LeBron gets the most hate, or why he gets more hate right now than Tom Brady. Um, and but well, before I say that, you know. Tom Brady right now, I think a lot more people are coming around on Tom Brady because he's so old um, compared to everyone else. And, he, and he's still playing at such a high level. He, you know, it, it's not, he's not showing signs of slowing down that much. I mean, yeah, he's thrown some, he's done some dumb things, you know, and once in a while his age shows, but he's still playing at that high level. LeBron is, it, it's, LeBron is, it's like he's still in his prime. Um, but the last reason why I think Tom Brady doesn't get as much hate now than LeBron James is because Tom Brady has never threatened your childhood. 
And this is what I mean by that. Uh, LeBron is the best, is the greatest basketball player since Michael Jordan, who was one of the most important people to ever play the game. Um, probably more is is more important than Magic and Bird. Um, Magic and Bird saved the game in the eighties. They really saved the NBA in the eighties, and then Michael, or sorry, and then Michael takes this and then runs with it. Goes six and zero. With six titles, never lost in the finals, never gets to a game seven. Um, you know, and then LeBron comes and is literally probably better than Michael in every facet of the game, except for, you know, winning, winning in the finals. But I say that because when you have someone as popular as Michael Jordan, which everyone agreed after the 90s, Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player that ever lived. When you have someone that rivals that, that's new, people will cling to what they believed in in their childhoods. They cling on to the nostalgia. They cling on so they can say, your guy now is not as good as Michael. And as soon as LeBron started losing in the finals, that's what people said. People my age who kind of remember the end of Michael Jordan, not the Wizards Michael Jordan, but like 98 Michael, like 98 Michael Jordan was when I first started watching the NBA. Like I vaguely remember it, but I just remembered that it was the Chicago Bulls were larger than life. Uh, And when... LeBron started becoming this superstar where everyone's like, yo, he's better than Michael Jordan. People who grew up with Michael either embraced LeBron as the second coming or they wanted to say, no, 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 he's not as good as Michael. So whenever LeBron does something, they will immediately come in and say, no, 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 he's not as good. Football's different. Football is more of a team game. And there are so many positions that it's tough to really say who's better than who. Yeah, basketball, you have different positions. You know, but in basketball, you ha- all ha- everyone has to do the same thing. You have to shoot, rebound, play defense, handle the basketball. Uh, pass, too. Throw that in there. You know, football is individualized with what you need to do. You know, no one cares if a quarterback can block. But everyone cares if a center can. And in football, we don't get the, this guy's the greatest ever. We didn't really get that in the 90s. You know, different positions, yeah, sure. You know, there's always going to be, you know, Randy Moss versus... Jerry Rice, who was better, you know? Um, you know, quarterbacks, we have that too, you know? Um, you know, was Tom Brady better than Montana? You know, with, with the rings conversation. Um, you know, things like that. But we never had one guy that said, this guy is the greatest in football. So people can appreciate the greatness of Tom Brady because no one, Tom Brady doesn't threaten your threaten your childhood idol or who was great when you were watching the game or when you first watched the game. You know, uh, you think back to hockey 
a little bit here. You know, even in hockey, we haven't seen a guy that has threatened Wayne Gretzky yet. You know, Crosby and Ovechkin, oh, very good. First ballot Hall of Famers without question. And maybe a little bit with Ovechkin starting off. Maybe Crosby when he won his last title. But there's no denying Gretzky's still the man. Never threatened your childhood. LeBron James threatens your childhood because he is better than Michael Jordan. The problem is LeBron James has lost in the finals. Now we can go all day to say, you know, Michael had a better supporting cast. Michael, um, you know, his first couple years didn't even sniff the finals. And I think that's not talked about enough. You know, LeBron did more with less. But when LeBron was there with Wade, with Bosh, he lost to Dallas and Dirk. He lost to San Antonio. And because of that, there's still that friction of who is better. Again, LeBron James threatens people's childhood's idols or their childhood idol with Michael Jordan, who was undoubtedly the greatest basketball player that ever lived. Tom Brady, people appreciate his greatness because we have no one person to say that man was the greatest. That's our show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you guys uh, give us a review on Apple Music. Make sure you guys like our pages on Twitter, at Juke Sports Pod, and at Juke Sports Pod on Instagram. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And until next time, adios.